Welcome to the Book of Mormon podcast, where it's all about uncovering questions, thoughts, and discoveries in your own personal Book of Mormon study. I know it seems crazy, but for over four years, I've been writing out the Book of Mormon, word for word, sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph. It's amazing what we can learn when we slow down and give space for personal revelation and insights beyond our normal reading pace. I'm Susan Gardner, a convert, a cyclist, and a Zuma to eight amazing grandkids. Come with me as we unveil new perspectives and understanding as I continue to write out the Book of Mormon. Hello, my friends. I'm your host, Susan Gardner, and you're listening to Writing the Book of Mormon podcast, episode six. It was a hot week here. During this time of year, I try to make a point to get out early on the bike to beat the heat. Even then, sometimes that early, you still come out of the house and you look up in the sky and you don't see any cloud cover at all. The sun's already shining and the air is thick. You know, those are signs for what's ahead. You can recognize before you ever clip in, it's going to be a hot ride. This reminds me of something I've noticed in the Book of Mormon. Did you know there were chapters and verses in the Book of Mormon that are like precursors to what will happen in stories in coming chapters? Similar to the sky showing signs of weather before it happens. Now, not like the prophecies fulfilled kind of stuff. We all know about those. These types of precursors I'm talking about aren't as obvious. At least they aren't to me. But they're still pretty cool. There are several throughout the Book of Mormon, but for today, we'll use one that is found in Helaman chapter 5. While we are looking this over, I thought it might be fun to start using some of the techniques we've talked about in earlier podcasts. Techniques like recognizing our thoughts and what they can teach us, asking questions, and thinking about the words that were used. So as a quick review, most of these chapters are rough during this time period. It's about 30 years B.C., Nephi, the son of Helaman, occupies the judgment seat. Reading verses 2 and 3 of chapter 5 gives us a good overall feel for the situation that surrounds him. Verse 2 says, For as their laws and their governments were established by the voice of the people, and they who chose evil were more numerous than they who chose good, therefore they were ripening for destruction, for the laws had become corrupted. Verse 3, Yea, and this was not all. You know what? I love that phrase, this is not all. I can almost hear him say, You think that's bad? It gets worse. Check it out. Anyway, he continues. They were a stiff-necked people, insomuch that they could not be governed by the law nor justice, save it were for their destruction. In verse 4, we are told that things were so bad that Nephi had become weary because of their iniquity. You know, it had to be pretty bad for a prophet to become weary because of iniquity. Enough weariness to turn the judgment seat over to Caesarum and leave with his faithful brother Lehi to preach the word of God all the remainder of their days. Thumbing through my composition book, I wrote in, during these chapters particularly, I noticed a question I wrote down. It was, What was Nephi's motivation to leave the judgment seat to preach the word of God instead of just quitting or throwing in the towel altogether? I quickly found my answer in the next verse, verse 5. It says, For they remembered the words which their father Helaman spake unto them, 
Nephi and Lehi remember the things their father said. This got my attention because as a parent, you talk to your kids a lot, right? Thing is, you're never sure your kids really hear anything you tell them. However, whatever he said seemed to stick. I was curious what he had to say, and I wanted to look closer at what he taught. So, using a few techniques we've previously talked about, let's slow down and take a closer look at what Helaman told his sons. Now, as a heads up, we're going to make a list of what Helaman says is important to remember. Keep this list ready because we're going to use it next week during the podcast. All right, here we go. We'll concentrate only on verses 6 through 12 in chapter 5 of Helaman. First off, did you notice the obvious? Did you count how many times Helaman admonished his sons to remember? I counted 13 times. We've talked about the importance of words. As I read this, I thought, if I was the parent seriously talking to my son, and I used remember this frequently, I must really feel it important for him not to forget. Now let's begin to dissect. Scalpel, please. Let's make our list. To save time, I'll simplify a bit, starting with verse 6. Verse 6, remember to keep the commandments of God. Verse 7, I would that ye should do that which is good. Verse 8, ye may not do these things that ye may boast. The next four verses emphasize the importance of teaching about Jesus Christ. He is the only way or means whereby man can be saved. He cometh to redeem the world. Through the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, he has the authority to redeem his people. Jesus will not come to redeem man in their sins, but to redeem them from their sins. And last, angels have declared the tidings of the conditions of repentance. Then I find it very interesting that in the last bit of teaching, he implores his sons to what? Build their foundation on the Son of God. In fact, he gives them what I call the double remember whammy. And now, my sons, remember, remember, that it is upon the rock of our Redeemer, who is Christ the Son of God, that ye must build your foundation. Add this to the list. While you're doing that, I have some questions for you to consider. Why does he tell him this? Why the extra emphasis of two remembers here? I can almost imagine him telling them with this much emotion in his voice. Maybe like, if you don't remember anything I've said, remember this. I know I've said that a kabillion times. Which makes me wonder, does he know something they don't? Verse 12, the double remember whammy continues. When the devil shall send forth his mighty winds, yea, his shafts in the whirlwind, yea, when all his hail and mighty storms shall beat upon you. Again, we have to honor the importance of words that were used here in the sentence. You notice he didn't say maybe and might. He said when and shall. I won't take the time to talk about hailstones and mighty storms. I'm pretty sure that we have all witnessed damage those disasters have brought. But I would like to briefly talk about the phrase shafts in the whirlwind. Living where I do, I don't have many tornado experiences. So I took my own advice and I looked up the phrase shafts in the whirlwind. Reading about what that phrase really meant helped me to better understand what was being described in this verse. 
But what really helped me was following a link that sent me to pictures. Oh my gosh, holy cow. What is that phrase, uh, a picture's worth a thousand words? No kidding. I saw a huge plank of wood that had been picked up like a toothpick and hurled through the sky and landed and stuck in the wall of a what? A brick wall. A brick wall. Portions of mobile homes and cars flung high in the air now hung on the tops of buildings. Table saws and big gardening tools were impaled into bark of thick tree trunks. Wow. Yikes. It was unbelievable, shocking to see these things. I couldn't believe my eyes. It was as though all these normal things were uprooted from a familiar place and landed in an unsuspected location. From here on out, when I read the devil sending forth his mighty winds and shafts in the whirlwind, I will think of these pictures. I get it, indeed. The devil will send forth his shafts in the whirlwinds. The devil will make things very, very difficult, no doubt. However, Helaman does have a solution to this problem. Continuing in verse 12, he tells his sons that if they build their faith in Jesus Christ, he, meaning the devil, shall have no power over you to drag you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe. Did you notice that he didn't promise having faith in Christ will guarantee you'd avoid mighty winds, hail, or storms? In other words, did you notice having faith in Christ won't guarantee you'd sidestep all the sadness, disappointment, and trials? Instead, the promise was the devil will have no power to what? To drag you down to the gulf of misery and endless woe. Gulf of misery. What the heck does that mean? Hmm. All I could think of when I heard that word gulf is like the Gulf of Mexico. Not giving me the picture I think they're after. So yeah, you guessed it. I looked it up. Other words for gulf, abyss, bottomless pit, deep hole. Seeing these three words in particular conveyed a different feeling. Now, the word gulf brought to my mind the idea of being someplace overwhelming or all-consuming. After considering the new words of the phrase, gulf of misery, now brought a feeling of more permanence, more like I'm stuck and I can't get out. However, Helaman teaches, yes, you will have difficulties and go through hard times that may seem like you're stuck and can't get out, but... Because of the decision you made to build your foundation on Christ, you will not stay stuck. It will not be endless. It will not be permanent. But wait, there's more! Not only will it not be endless, having a foundation built on Christ, but what else? Whereon they cannot fall. Not only will you not stay in that gulf of misery and feeling of endless woe, you will not fall. Fall. What does he mean by that? It sounds like a promise. A promise from God is something I want to claim, not something I don't want clear. So I looked it up. What the heck? I still had the thesaurus tab open, so I typed in the word fall. Other words for fall were decline and decrease. Let me say the way I read it to myself. Okay. Having a foundation of faith built on Christ, I will not decline. Having a foundation of faith built on Christ, I will not 
decrease. Hmm. What that's saying is, if I have my foundation built on Christ, I will not avoid trials. I will have difficulties, but after going through those challenges, because I chose to keep my sights on Christ, I will not be less. I will not be overcome with misery and sadness. I will not fall. I will be delivered. Wow, that's awesome. So let's ask some questions. What would be the purpose of including these teachings here? Why so much emphasis on the foundations built on Christ and how the devil's power is compared to hail, storms, and whirlwinds? It's these specific doctrine points Nephi and Lehi remembered. In fact, they were moved out of their comfort zone and into the unknown. Let's review the list of what Helaman suggests to remember. The first one, keep the commandments. Then, remember who you are. Do good. Don't boast. Christ has authority and power to forgive sins through repentance. Make Christ your foundation. The devil will send great trials. You will be delivered. Like I said in the beginning, on those days when I roll my bike out in the early morning, I look up and I see no cloud cover. The sun's already shining and the air's thick. Already I know it's going to be a hot ride. What do I do? I swing my leg over, securely clip my shoes into those pedals, and plop my butt into the saddle. Yeah, I know it'll be a hot ride, but I cannot wait. I've got a ride now. You see, when we've seen signs of a hot ride ahead in our lives, we need to be sure our foundation is built on the rock of our Redeemer at this moment. The heat of the day is already upon us. When we face those days ahead, and we will face them, remember, the Savior will see to it we will not be less because of those familiar things that are suddenly uprooted. Remember, when it feels like we've been hurled through walls or plunged into thick tree trunks landing in unexpected locations, remember, the feeling of misery will not be endless. We've been told directly, it will be tough, but remember, remember, through Christ we are promised we cannot fall. We will be delivered. Until next week, remember, it's not important to discover it first, it's more important to discover it for yourself. Slow pace, give space. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who also loves the Book of Mormon. And if you're on Facebook, be sure to like our page and join our community. You type in writing the Book of Mormon dash discussion group. This will keep you up to date and current with new topics and conversations surrounding our study. I do appreciate you and I hope you have an amazing day.